I'm thrilled to have found something at this point in my life that's completely unexpected that is bringing a lot of people a lot of joy. It really makes me happy. I feel so lucky and so grateful. Podcast Junkies, episode 133, lucky number 33. I'm your host, Harry Grant. This is also known as the Podcaster's Voice because it's the show where we search out interesting voices in podcasting. All we want them to do is kick back their heels, relax a bit, and just talk about their shows, their dogs, their cats, their guests, or whatever else is on their, their mind. As you might imagine, it's pretty free-flowing and always conversational always engaging, and always, always a good time. And I'm really appreciative of all the feedback we've been getting lately on social media, on Facebook. It's a bit of a challenge to keep up uh, with all the, the the feedback in the different places, but I think as a podcaster, it's important to have a system in place where you're periodically measuring and reviewing how people are getting back to you. So if you have a contact form, make sure you're checking those emails. If you are active on Twitter, make sure you're checking the comments. If you are on Facebook, make sure you're checking those notifications. Don't turn those off because every once in a while you'll get a, a, a nice gem of a comment in those platforms. So if you have the presence of mind to be on those platforms, take the additional step to, to block some time in your calendar once a week and make sure you're looking out for those comments because if people are taking the time to write those comments, at the very least we can uh, give them a shout out and, and let them know that it's much, much appreci appreciated. In case you missed last week's episode, Neil Gilarte, director of the Messengers podcast and also the host of All Things Post, was here and we just went old school. We had a really good time and reminiscing about the good old days. I know that's something that you tend to do as you get older, but it's fun when you find someone who can uh, share those same stories and, and remembers the same timelines as you. It's always a good time. So we talked about a lot of cool ideas and as podcasters, we always have new ones that we're brewing up. But uh, it was just a fascinating discussion about the origins of the documentary, the origins of his show, some of the challenges he's faced as he was growing his podcast and his business. And it, it was really uh, a heartfelt conversation. And I'm really appreciative for Neil uh, coming on the show. This week, we speak to Alana Levine. We talk about how she started her podcast and why, and the person behind the idea, we mentioned her interview with Octavia Spencer, Academy Award winner, and we talk about uh, how she feels about people wanting to talk to her about podcasting instead of acting. Uh, she recently had uh, Cascade on, who's an electronic music DJ, and this is after, and so you won't hear this mentioned, but I saw it recently in her Twitter post, and it's because her, her kids introduced her to the artist, and I thought that's just her personality and her way of, of really finding out what's interesting, what she resonates with, and those are the people that, that she has on the show. I give her a little grief about her Blue Apron sponsorship, and we talk about the story of when she knew she wanted to become an actress. All in all, lots of good stuff here. It, it, it seems like the time flew by, but she's a very, very entertaining uh, guest, and now I consider her a really good friend. She recently had Alan Alda on, who was... Uh, a student at my high school, obviously not at the same time, but that was a shout out to Archbishop Stepanak High School, Old Boys Catholic High School in White Plains, New York. 
This episode is brought to you by Podbean. Podbean's a lot of, got some interesting stuff going on recently. I got caught up on their uh, recent episode of season three, episode four, with my boy Vernon and my girl Jennifer. Uh, they had an episode just to talk about some of the new features, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But at a high level, they've just released the API for developers. So this is great if you're doing custom development. They've just introduced the App Marketplace. This is where you can find a growing list of services to enhance your podcasting experience. You can connect services like Dropbox and Google Analytics with your account. It's really interesting. I'm going to have to dig into this a little bit more because I love when you can customize apps to the way uh, your workflow is. And it's be, it'll be interesting to see how, the, how much of those apps relate to my current workflow. And then they've got a feature that's a paid feature. It's called User Engagement Intel. And for those that have been keeping up with the news recently, Apple also introduced analytics that will let you track the performance of a specific episode. So this is a, an add-on for Podbean users. It's $9.99 a month, and it'll give you insights into the user's behavior on the Pod, Podbean app and the players. So you can see what portions users play over and over, what they skip what the, when they stop listening, and more. And as always, listeners, don't forget that in-depth Intel is always a good thing when you're trying to attract and manage sponsorships and get listener support. So that's important stuff to have. And then the last thing I thought was fun is that they've now added Podbean on Amazon Alexa. To sign up, head on over to podbean.com slash podcast junkies. That's our specific URL. So please, if you go there, use that URL. And as a bonus to listeners this week, if you actually set up your Podbean account, let me know. And the first two people to do that I'll give you half an hour of uh, free coaching, and I'll just want to make sure you're getting set up with everything in the right way. So we can use that half hour to talk about anything. It doesn't have to be hosting. But that's my give back to you guys. If you do set up with Podbean using the podbean.com slash podcast junkies link, let me know, and I'd be happy to get you along your way. So also stay tuned to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. I love when regular users play along. Now to my interview with Alana. Full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com slash 133. So little known fact about my next guest, she didn't spend too much time thinking about the show's name as she was told it would come to her organically. Alana was born in New Jersey. She's an actress and a director, has appeared in such films as Failure to Launch, Confessions of a Shopaholic, and Friends with Kids. She's been married to Dominic Famosa since October of 2002, and they have two children She's played the role of Lucy Van Pelt in the 1999 revival of the Broadway play You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and has also appeared in Wrong Mountain, The Last Night of Ballyhoo, and Neil Simon's Jake's Women, just to name a few. Welcome to Podcast Junkies, Alana. Thank you so much. <laughs> I am so excited to be here. How'd I do? I got nervous when you said she's been married since October. I was like, you know, it feels like a lot longer than October. <laughs> Feels like almost fifteen years, and uh, and then you added the year, and I and all was right with the world. So, if, uh, regular listeners will know that uh, that's not a normal introduction for me, but I'm I'm so inspired by what you do and and uh, the response that your guests get when you do that that I had to do a little bit uh, more homework uh, and uh, make sure that you got the same treatment on my show. Uh, it's always nice to hear one's uh, Broadway credits or film credits said out loud because sometimes you start to feel like, have I done anything? And then Harry says this, this, and this. And I have done something. So thank you for that. Yeah, I think it's always, what they say is that, uh, I think it's actually a Steve Jobs quote that says, when you look back at the past year or two years, it's hard to measure progress. But when you look back and you at a longer period of time, maybe 10 years, then you can sort of put everything into context. 
and say, oh, okay, sometimes it looks like I was on a, a bit of a dip there, but then it's just everything comes is in cycles. So I think I heard someone say recently that when you're at the, yeah, I think it was on your show, one of the actors says when you're at the top. Um, yeah, Tony Shalhoub talks Shalhoub, about right? life yeah. as a roller coaster yeah. and that there's this cyclical fluidity to a process, which is when you're on top, as amazing and exciting as it is to be on the very top of the roller coaster, it is inevitable that it will go back down and that when you're on the bottom, that feeling, you know, when it like creeps up slowly as it starts to go back up again, yeah. that you have to get really comfortable I feel like I always used to feel like I was in the spin cycle, <laughs> like of my, like of my washing machine. But but I like the um, the elation and fear com- combination that Mr. Shaloub uh, harkens to when he talks about success and fame and failure and all of it. It seems to me, um, and just being introduced to your show recently, that you you seem to be on the rise from a podcasting perspective, and and I'm wondering if this is something new from you or if this is unexpected based on what's been going on so far? You know, what it, what it is, is kind of the way all great surprises are. It's, it's pure joy. Um, I started this podcast truly as like a, a lark, a labor of love, a desire to connect with people and help their stories be told. And the idea of doing a podcast was was not something that I had ever thought of. A friend of mine suggested it to me. And um, I think sometimes when you just kind of put blinders on with complete naivete and just do your work, the response can be really lovely. And it's been almost a year. Uh, it's not yesterday, but I think in podcast years, it's 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 not a long time yeah. to be um, chipping away at something. But it's just been the most um, incredibly exciting ride, uh, and that people love it as much as I love doing it is just an extraordinary gift. Do you want to give a shout out to the person who gave you the idea for the podcast? Yeah, his name is Mike Canzanero. He's a director and he also runs a, a post-production facility in New York City called Promedia. And he absorbed into his company, quite randomly, a podcast company. Hanger Studios is the name of this company. And um, he's like, hey, we just we just took on this podcast company. And I know you said you loved listening to podcasts. Do you want to do one? And I was like... Well, well, to be quite frank, the day before I had said to my husband, I'm going to say yes to anything that comes my way that doesn't put our family's health or finances in jeopardy. Like if it feels safe yeah. for all of us, um, even if it was sort of not in my, on my mind to kind of try and see what happens. It was kind of an experiment. It was one of those kind of post New Year's moments. And I don't make resolutions, but I do make, I don't know, big picture dreams Mm -hmm. for myself. Like, what are things that I haven't done? This was not on it. But so I was like, I'm going to say yes. And then literally within like 12 hours, my friend was like, do you want to do a podcast? And I was like, no, yes, yes. (laughs) Did you know what you you were getting yourself into? You know, I didn't, but I remembered when, you know, I would read uh, writers on writing. They always said to new writers, start with what you know. Like, that's a great place to start. And I thought, okay, I'm going to use that model for a podcast. I'm going to start with something I know. And I had been acting for 25 years. And the people I know are actors. So I thought, well, who's going to come? Who's going to sit across the table from me in that booth? And 
And actually, the next day, I, I bumped into my friend John Slattery, who was on Mad Men, the show Mad Men. And, uh, and he was like my first guinea pig. And he was willing. And he came in. And we had such a great time. And at the end of uh, our conversation, he's like, you know, you're kind of like a Howard Stern, like a female Howard Stern. And I thought, I don't know if that's like the nicest thing anyone said to me or like the most awful thing someone's ever said to me. But I, I looked at him and his eyes said that he meant it as a compliment. And he's like, no, I just felt so comfortable. I literally forgot there were headphones and a microphone. So what greater praise for your first one could there be? And I felt like I was onto something. And you know, because Slattery came in, it gave me, I could call people and go like, hey, John Slattery was here. Yeah. Um, so I owe him a debt of gratitude also, because being the first is, um, not everyone is willing to be the first, and he was. Well, it, they always say that uh, luck is when um, preparation meets opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I mean, I think this was a long time coming because you've built up these relationships and and, and these friendships and these connections so that when the opportunity came to have the, the studio came available and, and it's all, I, I, I think uh, they call it kismet or serendip- kismet and serendipity, <laughs> serendipity and totally. And, you know, as much as getting older can be um, a painful experience, uh, there's something to be said. You know, the longer you've been in a field and the longer you've been in your profession, you know, these are really long lasting relationships. I mean, I've known John for 20 years right? So that's the great thing about not being a baby at this thing. Yeah. And and we have really long, long lasting friendships, my guests and I. Where does the the skill uh, come from, this, this, this skill that you have of being just a fantastic conversationalist? Is that something that was learned or is that someone something that you was, were inspired by other people and you saw that they did it well and you just picked up tips along the way? You know, I think a little bit of both. I think as an actor, which is what I've been doing for my adult life, so much of what I've done when I play a character is research it very deeply. And part of that not just comes from, you know, Googling certain kinds of people, but it's talking to people. And, you know, if I'm playing a doctor, I'm going to go talk to a bunch of doctors. And if I'm playing a painter, I'll go, you know, to different artist studios. And as someone really interested in A, being as authentic as possible in whatever role I'm playing and a truly curious human being. I think that's what drew me to being an actor to begin with. You know, I think when I look back, I might have very much loved being a journalist. I think I might have loved being a therapist, but my sister had already taken on that role in my family. She, The therapist card had been, you know, pulled out of the deck for her. So I think a combination of those things. And I also had... My parents are incredibly charming, warm people, and they always were really the household that was open to our friends and anyone who needed, like, if there was a holiday and someone didn't have a place to go, my parents were the first to, like, invite that person to have that holiday meal with us. And my mother was just amazing at drawing people out. And I've learned now that part of it was it made her uncomfortable to talk about herself so she was constantly asking questions of others. She didn't have to reveal anything personal. So it was a good trick on her part. But I think I learned a lot about the art of conversation and generosity in conversation and being a great listener from her. And then I think what I ended up doing professionally was a really great fit. Because as I said earlier, I was always interviewing people to make my character as you know as real as possible. So 
unbeknownst to me, you know, when you talked about um, the idea of like uh, preparation and serendipity coming together, you know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about 10,000 hours, like 10,000 hours of practice and luck being um, sort of the center for a lot of very well-known people's success. I think I had 10,000 hours of being truly interested in other people's stories before I sat in the podcast booth orchestrating the conversation. It seems like it comes naturally to you. And as you might imagine, I listen to a lot of podcasts and people send me show recommendations. But what struck me immediately was this um, familiarity for some reason, I you know had a familiarity like with you and and the guests, and maybe that's just a function of the the relationship you have and the and the decisions you've made and who you you were bringing on early and people that you had a relationship with and had a friendship with and had a history with, because it just felt so like cozy. I don't know what else is the other word, and I, I caught myself la- laughing out loud at times too. It was really funny. Oh, that makes me so happy. I think what feels really good to me now is not everyone on my show is still one of my closest friends over, you know, and, and that my listeners can't tell who I have known for 20 years and who I've known for 10 minutes since they, you know, we chat a little before we start our conversation. To me, that's been like the most remarkable feeling that whether it's, you know, someone who feels like a brother or someone I've known for a day, that the, um, the result of the interview feels the same. And that's the most satisfying thing I I can say has happened so far. I think what struck me the most was the fact that you had some of these um, bigger names on early that seemed to let their hair down. You know, they, 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 and I think that speaks to their relationship with you, their trust in you. You know, they know they're in, in the podcast booth with a friend and it's not a reporter and it's not someone who's out to get them. And it's not someone who's looking for, um, you know, the, the, some, some insight into their private lives. They, you've, had have had this time with them and and you know when you when you you can tell because like when you had the Kristen Chenoweth on and she's you know telling her story about um her challenges you know growing up and with her height and then the, the, her little Being tiny yeah. yeah and i felt like she felt safe sharing that story with you listen i think so you know i have i have a an interview it, it i don't know when this interview is going to go live but um i just interviewed octavia spencer who uh, she won the Oscar for The Help and was just nominated for Hidden Figures. She's someone I've known for a really long time. She and I were in a short film together in 1999 or something. And, you know, we started talking about the evolution of her career. And she got to this moment where she was talking about getting cast in The Help and all the people in her life who sort of helped make that happen. And she started to cry and she was like, God, I haven't thought about that moment. I said, do you remember? And I think sometimes it's like, what's the question you're going to ask that's new for them? I mean, she must have throughout that press junket talked about playing that part a thousand times for, you know, a day. And I just said, do you remember the moment where the director called action for the very first time? And those are the kinds of questions. It's not, no one is there to promote a project. Mm-hmm. No one is there to plug anything. There's no publicist sitting outside kind of telling me what I can or cannot ask them. And I think what's really, you know, people have asked me if I want to create an, a, 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 a visual component to my show, either 
live stream it or or have it mm-hmm. filmed and and put it up. There's something about being in a podcast booth, and I'm sure you've experienced this. It's like being in this little confessional because yeah. there are no cameras. And you have headphones on and you're in each other's heads, literally, right? Hearing each other. It's so intimate. And my podcast booth, I will just say, if you're ever in the city and you come visit, it is like the coziest, prettiest little room. And it really does um, promote this feeling of safety. And Mm -hmm. also, Harry, I'm not there to try to trick anyone or get anyone. I would never air anything. I have called friends afterwards and gone, I've loved that story. I'm not, I don't think we should use it. Hmm. You know, it's not them saying it. I'm like, I love you and you're integral. I, I just respect you so much and I love how safe you felt, but there's no reason for us to share that, yeah. you know, with the world. So it really is, um, it's been a very special thing and whatever happens, just to know that these interviews last forever, whether I do 8,000 more or 10 more, it just lives. And that's a thrilling thing also about podcasts. What's interesting is that you sent me a link to uh, ShowScore did a, a story about you and the podcast. Is, yeah. it, is it interesting for you for for someone to want to talk to you about something that's not directly related to the acting? Now that now they want to talk about you in the show. I'm so excited. It's it's just I'm so thrilled. I mean, I think I'm very comfortable being interviewed uh because I for so many years was on the other side of this you know, I was this, right? I was, people were talking to me about the shows I did or the, you know, TV shows I did. I want to share this podcast with as many people as possible, not because I'm hosting it, but I think these guests are so special and they really are, for my money, the best artists of our generation, truly the most talented actors of our generation. And I, and I have really two criteria to come on my show. You have to be unbelievably talented and kind. There are a lot of really talented people out there, and and a lot of them have even now asked to be on my show, and I know their reputations, and I just feel like, no, because for me, it's really about celebrating the possibility of both, that you can be tremendously successful and live with gratitude at the same time, and uh, my guests do. That's like the questionnaire I send out before. Are you nice? No. Okay. Sorry. Right. right. <laughs> what charities are you passionate about? What are yeah. you using your celebrity for? Ooh. What? Where? Where is your activism? Because aside from the swag bags and the you know reservations at a restaurant and all of the you know and being bumped to first class, which are great perks of of celebrity, how are you giving back? Yeah. So you don't they don't leave with a swag bag when they're done with your <laughs> I, I didn't say that. No, they do. A lot of my guests, Tate's Cookies has been very kind and and my green room has a lot who doesn't you know what will work for cookies, right? Yes, that's true. Like at the end of the day and they're gluten free if you're glu- like oh, any yeah. the only thing they're not is calorie free. But they're really <laughs> they're almost good for you. I think I will take you up on that offer to jump into your studio if I am in New York City. And even if I'm just going to record a promo, like, this is Harry Duran, host of Podcast Junkies, and you're listening to Alana Levine, Little Known Things. Perfect. Little Known Facts. <laughs> little Known Facts. Good cookies. Totally. You know what? If I ever need, like, if I want to do a new promo, like yeah. your voice, Thank you. I feel like I'd get more listeners <laughs> just with that. So, like, honey. What's been the, the most surprising thing for you? Because I'll be honest, I, I I didn't know about you as an actress, and you know, my first interaction with you is you as a podcast host, right? And then I'm like, right. oh, and but now I, I mean, I so I'm coming in, into it with fresh ears and fresh eyes, and that's how I see you. So, is, is it 
been interesting for you, for people and, and new new people to, to discover you with with you as this, this, this is the prominent role that you play now for them? Yeah, I have to say, I, um, you know, when I had, I, I had kids. And so at the time that my first child was born, I'd really been doing theaters, my, my love and my passion. And I had the great fortune of doing a lot of things on Broadway, which was extraordinary. But that schedule is like the worst thing in the world for having children. Like you're got, you're working the night shift. So they would get home from mm. school or whatever they were doing and like dinner time and bath time and bedtime, which is kind of a really sacred, beautiful thing. And it's fleeting. Like they grow up really fast and they're suddenly, you know, you're not there for any of those things anymore. So I did want to try to transition into something that allowed me to have more control. I've directed a bit, I've produced a bit, but anything, the kind of I'm going to say yes model was also sort of, and what can I do that makes me feel creative and fulfilled and also be around for these kids that I wanted desperately to have? They were not accidents. Mm. There were no more planned children (laughs) on the planet than the children Dominic and I had together. So I would say that being appreciated for anything that one does is a really great feeling. And that's not to say that I'm not also still going to act and that I'm not actually reading scripts right now, actually, for what my next play might be. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to have found something at this point in my life that's completely unexpected, that is bringing a lot of people a lot of joy. It really makes me happy. I feel so lucky and so grateful. Has it opened up any new doors for you? You know, I guess in some ways it has. I mean, I this is happening so fast. Like it's really happening fast and um I I have been approached by people to make this into something else and I don't know what that will be and I don't know if that's even going to happen. I feel like the reason it is working so well is for all the reasons I said before and I feel like the minute an actor is conscious of what they look like or worrying about what they look like, mm-hmm. I feel like the whole tone of the thing, maybe not as much for men, I'm not sure, but I feel like women have to be very protective of their images, right? And Hollywood is not the most forgiving. Um, and so the idea that all of the actresses, gorgeous to a person, can come into my booth and really like be in their pajamas if they wanted to. I think part of what's made these interviews so rich and personal and really feel like a slumber party is that they're in their pajamas, right? Or some metaphorical version of that. And I worry that the minute it becomes televised in any way or even on YouTube, that that's going to shift a little bit. So I don't know what's going to happen, but yeah. there are I, uh, things being presented and, and we'll see if we can keep the show what it is in s- some larger thing. But having sponsors is kind of amazing. Yeah. You know, being able to make a nickel doing this is is an amazing thing. And um, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So uh, I'm, meeting, uh, <laughs> I'm meeting you like the podcast community. I cannot believe how incredibly warm and amazing, like, oh, yeah. I feel like I've known you my whole life, right? Like, I just keep meeting the most, these angels. I can't even tell you how thrilling that is. So unexpected. When you say what's unexpected, Harry Duran is, you know, <laughs> is is who I'm chatting with right now. Like, okay, I'll take it. 
Well, well, you got to make it out to the conferences. Uh, there's a big one coming out in um, in August in Anaheim. It's podcast movement. It's going to be about two thousand podcasters there. The community. I mean, that's from day one since I started my show. It's like we're we're all so supportive of each other. There's no like backbiting or or just comp- it's maybe friendly competition, but we just want everyone to succeed. You know, naturally, there's the the NPRs and the Mark Marins who are just you know millions and millions of downloads. But th- there's also the new ones coming up and. Every time I have a chance to highlight a podcaster that's doing something great, nine times out of ten, they're people that I've met before, and I want the world to just hear what they're doing and hear, hear you know, hear what they're saying and hear how great their shows are. Wow, that's really, uh, what a, you're so generous. That's really nice of you. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's an um, ongoing project, <laughs> just to make sure I'm always trying to be a better person yesterday than I was today. And, and it's, it's that similar cycle as well. Some days you, you don't feel like you've done well or something. Some days you feel like you've taken a step backwards. But I think, I think if you always look for opportunities to do good for someone or to give someone an opportunity or to help someone who was there where you were two or three years ago, I think, um, you know, those little things eventually like add up. And, you know, if, as long as you do it without the intention of waiting for something back, you know, then, then I think you'll be fine. Yeah, that's, that's, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. One of the things you talked about uh, in the show score interview was this idea that everyone's got a podcast and you said they're like, they're like cute little dogs. <laughs> so did that make you pause when you first started or did you feel like, no, that, no, I, it didn't. I mean, it really is one of those examples. Like I'm so glad I didn't look right or left or, you know, for a, a researcher, had I really put all of the time and effort into researching podcasting or podcasts um, that I do in researching my guests on my podcast, I I would never have done it. I would have been so overwhelmed and intimidated and confused about how to even make a dent in the in the podcasting landscape um, because there really are, you know, I know it because I listen to so many. Um, so... I, I think it was really innocence is bliss, right? Is that the expression? There was something to be said for that. I wasn't looking for this to be, um, you know, this wasn't, this isn't a career choice or, you know, we're, we're going to pay our mortgage because I'm doing little known facts, right? It really was like, how do I preserve the stories of these people and help archive them who I respect so much? It was almost like a PSA. I'm going to do a public service. I'm going to like, these people are amazing. And I remember I was sitting with my friends going, I cannot believe these are my friends. How do I, this is ridiculous. These people are amazing. And, and, you know, I'm not as funny as they are when they're on Seth Meyers or Jimmy Kimmel or, or Fallon. And they are all brilliant at doing those things. There's so much nuance and complicated life to their story. And I think I also got exhausted by, that whole idea of like celebrities, they're just like us. Look, she's shopping in Whole Foods. Like, yeah. great. Is that why we're the same? Like, no, we're the same because whether I'm starting up, you know, a, a vacuum company or an internet company or I want to open up a bookstore, most of going after what we want is rejection and not having anyone buying what we're selling. Like, mm. no matter what, whether you're an entrepreneur or an artist or a teacher, most of life is rejection, right? Actors just have to do it in a very public forum. Mm-hmm. But to me, what's been so interesting is how do all of my guests and how do all of us as human beings get up the next day when it's 
you know, day after day of kind of feeling like Sisyphus, like pushing the rock uphill and then it comes back down. And so, so much I want, what I wanted to offer, and obviously through the lens of these sexy, attractive, talented people, I knew that that would get people to listen to my show, was really to inspire people, no matter what it is their, their passion is, um, to remind them that even the people that TMZ and People Magazine kind of and and reality television kind of give them to us on this platter of affluence and and ease that it's really hard for everybody just in different ways. So that's all. I wanted to offer inspiration that no matter what it was you were trying to do, that the people you admire or think you know and admire are going through the very same things and that that's the connective tissue mm. between all of us as humans. Whether you're Cynthia Nixon or me or you, we're all like trying to help with fifth grade math that we don't understand. <laughs> yeah, from what I hear, I don't, we don't have any kids. From what I hear, that new math yeah. is kind of crazy. <laughs> it's literally, I keep saying to my kids, listen, look at what mommy and daddy do. You really will never need to use this. Please tell your teacher you have an iPhone and a calculator and yeah. nothing you're going to do in your life is going to need any <laughs> trigonometry. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um Speaking about the sponsors, I mean, and we're, you know, obviously we're podcasts about podcasting, talking to podcasters. I was wondering if at some point Dominic and the kids got tired of eating the sweet and sour salmon with bok choy and ginger fried rice. <laughs> you know what's so funny? I made like ten different. I did, uh, you know, part of part of having me be your 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 host if you're a sponsor is allowing me to kind of put the copy into my own voice, and and I won't use anyone that whose product I haven't actually tried or yeah. used. So I did like 20 of them because we've been making Blue Apron now for weeks. And that was like the first recipe I ever did. But they keep running the same ad. I feel awful for my guests that they have to like, I mean, that's a, the same meal for months on end. I did one with this like Parmesan crusted yeah, chicken. Yeah, that one just came delicious. out. Yeah, It did. We yeah. did like these amazing tacos, this Middle Eastern food. It's really good. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, really we use it. Yeah, we use it. I love it's it. It's delicious. Yeah. All right, well, you know, go use coupon code KNOWNFACTS and you will get, <laughs> I can't even remember, but like three meals free or something. Yeah. And then you can cancel. Do the free meals, then sign up again. Yeah. Do it again. Anyway, <laughs> that's hilarious. I just said the same thing to Dominic. I'm like, I'm kind of mortified at this point. <laughs> they think it was, it was funny. Yeah. I didn't, I, I would listen to a couple and then, you know, you just listen to this, the ad read. And then I started like uh, I was like, is is that the same recipe? And then I, I, I so then I was like naturally curious as a podcaster. I go back and I started playing it, and I was like, oh, she's she's in it. I was like, I got to give her grief about this. I'm sorry. Harry, <laughs> and also, you know, I'm sure your listeners understand what yeah. we're talking about. But Blue Apron is a sponsor, and I read some. I read an ad on my show, and it keeps being the ad with the same recipe over and over again. Well, but guess what? You can fast forward through that. Yeah. <laughs> but we would never do that, Blue Apron. We would never no. do that. I love them. I love them. They were like, will you tweet about it? And I was like, actually, yes, I would even if you weren't my sponsor because it's been a game changer in our kitchen. Yeah. And so it's so funny because a lot of the, the things that you say about things you've learned becoming an actress, they really apply to podcasting as well. Um, and this just... You know, even things like research or, or being engaged or, or understanding what it is you're getting into or, you know, different, there's different levels of prep that you can take. Um, the other thing that strikes me is the fact that you can relate 
to your guests because you've been an actress for 25 years, like you said, and, and the stories, the ups and downs. And, you know, I really, I, I took acting for like three years in New York City. And so some of those things about auditioning and, and were, were really funny. And I'm sure actors can relate to it. People who've never been an actor can relate to it because they, they love to hear like behind anything that's behind the scenes. You know, people love that sort totally, of stuff. Totally, totally. Me and, too. <laughs> I love it. I'm yeah. sitting there like, tell me more. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I, I, I think it's just great, the parallels. And it's part of why I feel like the guests can connect because they, I can't see their face, but I can almost hear the inflection in their voice. It's like, oh, yeah, you, you, you know, you get it or you understand or you can relate or something like that. Yeah. And what's so funny is, you know, truly, I mean, I've, uh, you know, Matthew Broderick, Molly Ringwald, my guest list is really successful people who've been doing this since they're kids, right? Like for a very long time. And the minute I say to any of, you know, or Laura Linney, like, can you think of an embarrassing audition story? Literally, they're like, I have hundreds. Yeah. I have hundreds. And that even can include something that happened, you know, yesterday. Like it's a never ending cycle. You know, even if you're super famous, if you want to do a part that you've never done before, the director will probably want to see some sample of what you would be. You know, if you're always playing an ingenue and now you want to play a serial killer, they don't have anything to see you in that you've done that. So, I mean, it's, I sit there both inspired and disheartened. Like, are you kidding me? Molly Ringwald is still auditioning. Like I'm like I'm done. Yeah, it's kind of it's it, it's it's um it's like a cautionary tale at this. Well, well, it's the nature. It's the nature of the beast, right? I mean, yeah, you have to ride that wave for as long as you can because it's gonna come down and it's either gonna come crashing down or you're gonna be able to surf it down and in, into you know your 80s and 90s and you know there's some actresses that that pull it off and they look amazing doing it. Yeah, and, yeah. But think about it, like in in our economy right now. So it's true for actors, right? Like they're still having to go around looking for work. How many CEOs or people have had really um, high level jobs, and then the company folds, or or they lose their job, which is happening right and left and all over the world, and and suddenly they're back at a job interview, mm. right? Like it used to be HR sending them names, and now they're going back to square one and dealing with like twenty year olds who already have their job who will work for almost, right? Like it's, it, it really, there are parallels no matter what career you are uh, aspiring to how old or have were, been a part of. How old were you when you knew that you wanted to be an actress? You know, I came to it late. I, I wasn't one of those kids who did it in school growing up or community theater. We always went to the theater in my family. You know, theater and films, was we, we just loved it and did it together often as a family. But it was really in college that I fell into it. And uh, I don't really know what gave me the confidence. to. I mean, it's so ballsy, right? Like, I'm going to, like... <laughs> As an adult person, like, I'm going to be an actress. Like, really? Um, I remember Laura Linney, whose father had been a playwright, said it took her a very long time to say out loud, I'm going to be an actress. And it Mm -hmm. took her much longer than her peers and colleagues in college because she'd spent her life watching actors in rehearsal in her father's play and really knew not the idea of it, but how hard it was and what it took to really be an artist. Not an actress, Mm -hmm. but an artist, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I just fell into, um, I met a teacher when I was in, in college that was just an incredibly inspiring acting teacher. And I saw that these were my people and I didn't know what was going to happen. 
And my expectation was that I'd do it in school and maybe do it as a hobby and find a way to make a living. And I got lucky very quickly and and started making money at it very quickly. And um, that story wrote itself Mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah, it was quite unexpected. What's interesting is if you if you were to look at this as a timeline and you see like the way things are put into motion, like you start and you become an actress and you make relationships with people and then you think that those threads are just going to be go out into the ether and they'll never be reconnected. But now through the podcast, some of these threads have been weaving their way through your life for the past 20 years. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, Cynthia Nixon yeah. was in my first job, right? Like, yeah. you know, in the the late 80s like it's crazy yeah i mean i was a kid i was in school and and we were doing this thing together so yeah it's 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 inspiring so i was thinking as uh you were talking about the how you came about um how acting came about for you and i was just curious as to whether there was anyone that's been a mentor for you or who you looked up to or someone who inspired you to allow you to take this path yeah, I mean, I, my first acting teacher was a woman named Gloria Maddox, and I, I studied with her. And uh, again, not knowing that this would be a lifelong career, but only, oh, here's a woman who's incredibly generous, special, and smart. And I feel like what I learned was that acting was a craft, right? Like like anything else, it was a craft, and it took hard work. And she really would take you through layer by layer by layer in creating a character. We had to write journals about, you know, we would be playing a fictional character, some character in a play that was completely made up. It wasn't like I was playing, you know, I don't know, Eleanor Roosevelt. It was like a made up person. And we would have to write, you know, journals in the voice of that character. We would have to dress like that character. We would have to, you know, spend a lot of time really layer by layer creating this character. So with that, a lot of people started dropping out, right? Like there's the idea of being an actor and this is as hard as anything else. Like where's, come on, where's the fun? So I feel like she was a really beautiful person in my life. And, um, she has since died of, she had MS and and she passed away, uh, sorry, ALS way too young, but she's someone in my early career. And then the people I worked with in my very first job, for example, I, I mentioned Cynthia Nixon, I just met these young actors and older actors who, um, as successful as they were already, their work ethic, their generosity with everybody on a set from actors to crew, whether, whether it was someone, you know, doing the catering for the movie to the director, right? Like I really learned early on from Cynthia Nixon and, and, you know, Robert Altman was the director on that project, that this is a family mm-hmm. and there's no one family member that's more important than another. That to make this thing, it takes everyone. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. What is uh, the one most misunderstood thing about you? About me? Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I was just saying to my husband, the thing that makes me the most nuts is when I feel misunderstood, Right. Like, I, it makes me nuts when someone thinks I said or meant or did something, anything um, other than it coming from a place of kindness. I have become friends with a lot of people since I've had kids who are not in the, who are not in the arts, right? Yeah. Who are not actors. And so very often, if I give one of them a compliment, and these are women who I love so much. We've been in the trenches raising kids together, right? And I'll say like, 
you look beautiful or I, and, and they will often say, well, how can I believe you? You're an actor. (laughs) And so they're taking my, now, by the way, is there anything wrong with like trying to make someone feel good? No, like there are worse qualities to have. Right. But every so often someone will be like, I don't know whether to believe you because you're an actor and, and they're, they're teasing me. Right. But, but there's like a little teeny bit of truth in there and it kind of cuts me to the quick because the thing I most admire in others and, and want from my children and everyone in my life and in the world is integrity. Hmm. And so the minute my integrity is called into question in the stupidest of ways, like I like that lipstick color, really, like it right to something deeper and more important. Um, like I love that painting that you made. Um, it kills me. So I don't know if that's something that's like misunderstood about me, but that is a little known fact about me that when <laughs> someone thinks I'm being insincere, it is soul crushing for me. I'm sure. Because I pride myself on sincerity. Yeah. Um, what have you changed your mind about recently? Wow. Um, my hair color. <laughs> I don't know. And I don't know that being this blonde was a good idea, but I definitely changed my uh, mind about my hair color. I was, had we done, you know, had we met yesterday, yeah. uh, I would have had very brown hair and now I have incredibly blonde hair. This is your, your, your new podcast do then. Yes. I hate that I'm giving you such shallow answers, but I'm just, I'm doing that. Like what's the first thing that comes to my mind and, uh, and that's it. And also, you know, I, I, I think I got exhausted after the election. We were all calling our congressmen and we were marching and we were kind of spending a lot of time actively and being as active and vocal. And I got a little burnt out and thought that my activism wasn't going to matter. Mm -hmm. And what I've changed my mind about is that it does. It really does. And that I may not be able to feel or reap the benefits of it as quickly as me and my compadres had hoped, but that we mustn't get exhausted. We're, we're, this is a marathon yeah. and uh, I need to pace myself, but I mustn't give up. What's interesting is that uh, I, I don't think to, you've done t- much political politicizing on the show, but it's, I think it's interesting to understand that you do have a platform and you can, choose how you want to use it. Um, you know, I've been conscious of that myself with this show, but I think it's nice to know that you know there are other ways that you can influence people and you don't have to necessarily be in their face and say, hey, you know, look at what how this person is terrible. Instead, what you're doing is you're showing like, look how two people can be great and look how we can talk about great things and great experiences. Yeah, and work together. And yeah. I do, you know, I have been both on the website and and as I... Um, upload more episodes, what I am trying to do is have the people that come on my show who do have a platform and who are really recognizable talk about uh, organizations that they're passionate about and a lot of funding to organizations that, you know, many of us are passionate about. Their funding is at risk. So there are ways in which I'm trying to use this platform, not necessarily as a you know, bully pulpit to talk about mm-hmm. who I like or don't like who's, who's, you know, in terms of politicians, but here's how we boots on the ground can help support, you know, PBS or, you know, whether it's public television or, you know, women's rights, all sorts of things or, or candidates who may run in the future. Um, 
arts organizations. There's so many ways we can talk about uh, things that we can do that are that are in our bandwidth and helping me do that are these celebrities that come on. And if there's anything we learned this election, what celebrities think is irrelevant in terms of how people vote. I mean, yeah. right, the biggest Hollywood stars mostly came out for Hillary Clinton, people who generally, you know, sell out their movies in seconds. And, and if they're on a red carpet, people will you know, shove each other out of the way to try to see them. It didn't change the vote. Yeah. So actually what we've learned is um, people want a celebrity in hmm. the White House, but not necessarily want to hear what other celebrities think about where they should, you know, put their votes. So it's been a really interesting time. And what's been nice, I think it's really important also to go, you know, sometimes we just want to create entertainment for people. Because times are dark economically, emotionally, environmentally. So if I can put a little levity, not just inspiration, but some joy. My podcast is pretty darn funny. These people are (laughs) hilarious. And I'm kind of funny. So I think there's a lot of joy in the the content. And, you know, I'm not going to apologize for that. I think that's a fair thing to offer the world. Well, I, 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 I'm thoroughly enjoying the show. I'm really happy we've been able to connect. And it's just, I mean, we started the conversation on Twitter, which is hilarious. Uh, I love it. I love <laughs> it. You're my Twitter brother. <laughs> and uh, I'm just, it's been a, a pleasure to chat with you and then have these Twitter conversations with you as well, because there's a funny thing that happens, and I'm sure you can relate, that um, in podcasting, that you start to get to know people by by virtue of listening to them on their show, and so now you know I know about Dominic, and I, I know about like uh, the the kids and and, and things. That it's you... such a funny false intimacy, Harry, because I feel like I know you really well because I listen to you, but it's thrilling to like get to put a face yeah. to it also. So I'm excited uh, at the popularity of your show, and and I I'm I'm wishing it all the best, and I think it's just gonna get more popular as people find out that there's a, a way to have conversations um, with celebrities that doesn't have to feel false or stiff um, and uh, fam- familial. Maybe that's the word. I and my biggest hope is not that people, you know, I feel like people so often listen and they go, oh, I wish I were her. Yeah. And what I want the take it away, takeaway to be is I am her. Yeah. Right? Like, we're like, that's the, the biggest goal is there's all of this, like us and them. And oh, if only I, and like, no, like, like I keep wanting to bring it to, we're all the same. We're all in this together. I want your autograph. You want my autograph. I once did a play. My first Broadway play was with Alan Alda just before we say goodbye. And every night at the stage door, you know, he, he's been so famous for so long since MASH was on TV and it was my first Broadway show. So the idea of like, someone wants my autograph, this is amazing. And I remember when he did come out the stage door, he was really shy and he would often sneak out the back actually. Um, but on the nights that he came out the door with the rest of the cast and people would ask for his autograph, he would say to a person, only if you will give me yours. And mm. they were so startled by that. They were like, no, 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 you know, you're Alan Alden. He's like, what's your name? She'd be like, Sarah. He's like, you're Sarah. And it was such, like, when you ask about teachers, yeah. that taught me everything I needed to know. Because he had been at it, I would imagine, for like 30 years by the time I met him. And he had the same humility and gratitude that he got to do what he loved to do and get paid for it. But never, never felt above or different or better than anyone. 
And that was an incredible lesson for, you know, a 19-year-old actress at the time, right? Like for me yeah. to see that, amazing. Uh, I actually have a connection to Al Nolda. We went to the same high school. Oh, are you from Brooklyn? Uh, well, no, Stepanek. Uh, he went to uh, Archbishop Stepanek in... Wait, where in is that? White Plains. Oh, I'm sorry. Right, yeah. right, right. Okay. No, and, I'm from Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, he's coming on my show next week. And, oh, wow. And now I can, little known fact, I didn't know where he went to high school. And now I do. You do. You do. You just and, made me look really good, Harry. <laughs> you Thank remi- you. You can remind him of that. I will. Um, well, Anna, thanks again for, for the time. Uh, what's the best place for folks to track you down online? Littleknownfactspodcast.com. All the episodes are there and you can find it about me and my guests there. And I mean, obviously it's on iTunes and TuneIn and NPR One. Those are, if you, if you guys listen to podcasts there, it also lives there. And you can find me and Harry tweeting at each other on Twitter. It's at Ilana Levine and Instagram, Little Known Facts Podcast. Thanks again. I hope you have a fantastic day. You too, Harry. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you so much, Ilana for originally reaching out on Twitter. It was so interesting because you you can't predict where the feedback is going to be coming from or where people will hear about your show. And it's one of the reasons why I like to be so present on all platforms. And I know it's a little bit of work, but if you are passionate about your podcast and if you're passionate about growing your listenership, understand that it's something that needs to happen one listener at a time. And sometimes the listeners become guests and sometimes the guests become listeners And I think if you treat your guests like gold, which is something I've spoken about in the past, then you can't go wrong. You can establish that relationship that's just going to grow for years and years. And there's some that are still going strong three years into this show. So we are a part of podcastica.com, a interesting collection of unique podcasts. Head on over to podcastica.com for the complete list of shows, intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil check him out at cedarsoil.com. Don't forget to support our episode sponsor, Podbean. Head on over to podbean.com slash podcast junkies. And don't forget the offer I made at the beginning of the show that if you do sign up, uh, please let me know. First two listeners to sign up, get a free half hour of coaching with me. So just uh, shoot me an email, harry at podcastjunkies.com to let me know that you did that. The retention hashtag is little known Alana in honor of her show, it's little known, Alana, I-L-A-N-A, as the hashtag, and you can tag Alana at uh, Ilana Levine, I-L-A-N-A-L-E-V-I-N-E, and myself, podcast underscore junkies, and let us know you made it this far. Always fun to watch those as they come streaming through on Twitter. Tune in next week and hear my conversation with Dan Franks. For those of you that don't know, Dan is the co-creator, founder of Podcast Movement, We talk about the podcasts that he's hosted in the past, his take on the podcasting universe, and some things we can expect to see and hear from him as they learn more and more about how to host a proper podcast conference. And it's now one of the biggest in the world, definitely in the country. I think we're expecting about 2,000 people in Anaheim this year. So if you don't uh, have a link already, head on over to podcastmovement.com slash podcastjunkies to sign up. I already have my ticket and I'll be there with my bright yellow podcast junkies shirts, which I always hand out during the event. 
And lastly, a two-part call to action. If you've already downloaded the PDF, which I've been mentioning for the past couple of weeks, it's at podcastjunkies.com slash eight tools, the number eight, T-O-O-L-S. It's my collection of tools that I'm using to help me be more productive with my podcast production and, and which have helped in my launch. And it's recently been updated for 2017. It's something I created when we started the show way back in 2014. And now there's a shiny new clean version. If you already have that in your hands, then the only ask for this week is that you uh, write a review for the show. Uh, there's been a couple that have come in recently. So either a review or a comment on SpeakPipe. Those are always fun. And if you heard last week's episode, you'll see that I posted the one uh, that was submitted to me by Mr. Dave Jackson. So thanks again for all you do to support the show. Have a fantastic week. <laughs>